What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Today, we got a non-farm payroll report with lighter than expected job growth. You heard me, lighter. Middling wage gains, not those exploding wage gains, which is not what you want to see if you own stocks. The numbers caused a market-wide meltdown, Dow plunging 559 points. S&P plummeting 2.24%, and get this, the NASDAQ news diving 3.05%. Now, orderly, ordinarily at this point in business cycle, I tell you that bad news is good news because a weak employment report means the Federal Reserve is less likely to raise interest rates, which we know can be pretty for stocks. But somehow the Fed has gotten itself into this ridiculous box, a box where it needs to tighten because it said, well, well ahead of the numbers that it was going to tighten. For months, I've been telling you that the economy is slowing, that the peak may have actually been when Fed Chief Jay Powell came out at the beginning of October and told us that business was so hot that we might need four rate hikes. He just said it. And that was your signal that things were going to get very dicey, as it was to me. Because words like that carry a lot of weight, even if you try to walk them back, as Powell did a month later. This kind of statement can be self-fulfilling. See, businesses hear about four more rate hikes, they pull in their horns, which is why Powell's predecessor, Janet Yellen, usually avoided making such sweeping, rash statements. Now, theoretically, today's employment numbers should have given the Fed cover to wait, rather than having to put through another rate hike this month. However, Powell has backed himself into a corner. Because he's promised a rate hike, he risks stirring a wave of fear if he doesn't tighten. Investors will start presuming that something must be wrong, very wrong, that things are worse than they thought, or Jay Powell wouldn't change his mind. To be fair, I totally understand why the Fed might honestly believe we need one more rate hike. The PMI reports are all strong. Retail sales have been robust. And yes, it's true, we're pretty close to full employment, although I think the model should change and employment can go down, unemployment can go down even more. The fact is, though, the economy's slowing. The stock market sure slows it. You know, do you think the stock market goes down like this because the economy's accelerating? That's why it's so skittish. No one wants the Fed to tighten going into a slowdown, especially when we might be in a tariff war, uh, really around the globe. People want the Fed to be flexible. Thanks to his previous comments, though, Powell's in a lose-lose situation. It would be wrong to tighten, but if he doesn't give us a full quarter point rate hike, it will cause a panic. Maybe a creative Fed chief could square that circle by holding off on a rate hike, but maybe selling some of the long-term bonds that they've been sitting on since the financial crisis, a different kind of tightening that would fix the inverted yield curve situation. Although at this point, ideally, you don't want any tightening, and the Fed would simply sit tight. I hate to say it, Mr. Powell, but here it goes. I told you so. All right, with that in mind, what do we have got coming up for next forward? Let's, let's take a look at the game plans 
not get too nervous about what's going to happen because we aren't going to go into recession. That's important that you know that. E-commerce has become one of the most volatile areas in this market. I'm always trying to get a feel for it. Why? Because it's a huge driver of the new economy. For example, Ulta Beauty and Lululemon just reported quarters that were considered disappointing, but they still delivered some extraordinary e-commerce numbers. Look, they, they reported on a day when the market was very bad. They probably wouldn't have been down another day. We also care about what I call the subscription economy, where you sign up for something online that generates recurring revenue for the company in question, whether we're talking software or newspapers or nutritional supplements. So let's hear what Stitch Fix has to say on Monday. I kind of like it. It's a real good barometer. This company has an online subscription-based personal shopper uh, business that specializes in apparel. Stitch Fix crashed into a retaining wall 60 miles an hour the last time it reported, stock losing a third of its value in the same day. If Stitch Fix can turn that itself around, it's good news for the e-commerce cohort and certainly good news for Stitch Fix. Tuesday after the close, we hear from another one that I like, Dave and Buster's. It's the chain where people go to play games, watch sports, eat. I think of it as the ultimate play on the experiential economy that we're always talking about on the show. What do I mean by experiential? Well, did I ever tell you about the time my then nine-year-old daughter and I spent $34 using a ridiculous claw to try to pick up a furry cat in a mosh pit of worthless items that will all end up in a darn landfill? Dave & Buster's is also a terrific, a terrific gauge of consumer spending, which frankly needs to stay strong here or else the economy is in real trouble. I'm going to be listening to that conference call. I mean, you just keep doing it. and do it. It, was, it was ridiculous. All right, Wednesday, we got a real treat when uh, Under Armour holds its annual day. I started recommending this stock when it was in the low teens. Now it's in the low 20s. Is it time to ring the register? I bet CEO Kevin Plank tells it. Terrific story. I want to hear about the state of apparel and footwear both here and in China. Maybe it goes down here. This is the furry animal thing. I started again. Uh, and maybe get a chance at it. Then there's the annual Starbucks Love Fest next Thursday. This thing is one of the most educational and I actually have to tell you riveting analyst meetings I've ever attended. These are just news filled, star studded events where the company tends to roll out something new and special both for analysts and employees, including important perks and benefits that few other retailers offer. Starbucks is on a roll right now, and I expect CEO Kevin Johnson, KJ, will give us a roadmap for a return to robust growth in the United States. Company's putting up some excellent numbers in China, too. Let's see if they can keep it up, even with the escalating trade tensions. Thursday morning, we get results from Siena. That's you know, not that beautiful city 45 minutes outside of where my Italian place is. I'm talking about Siena with a C. Now, this is a telco equipment maker. I think it will be fascinating to hear their perspective on the rollout of 5G wireless, not to mention Chinese competitors, <laughs> Huawei, and overall telecommunications build-out worldwide. Costco reports after the close, and this is a situation where no matter how good things are, no matter how good the numbers come out, I doubt it can move the needle because the stock's already run. This week, Costco gave us some spectacular November same-store sales figures, up 9.2%. I was looking for 5.4%. I don't see how they can top that number. Costco's a company that's been integral to the low inflation economy that I always talk about. Is they, they say the club members save a fortune by just joining the club. That's why you get the low prices. That's why I love it. I'm a Gold Star member. Lisa, my wife, is a black card. 
I wonder if managements will call out the strength in their e-commerce business, which is on fire. I also I think they might talk about how competitive the food space has become. Amazon, Walmart, Target, Kroger, good conference call yesterday, all duking it out. Finally, on Friday, Centene throws an analyst meeting. I bet it's going to be excellent. You know CEO Michael Nidorf. He's generated tremendous returns at this provider of government-sponsored health care plans. Nidorf will talk about all the new states and contracts he's winning. I expect a darn good story. That whole segment, by the way, of the market, along with the hospital group, has really held up better than just about anything else because it does so well in a slowdown, which is what people are now worried about, a Fed-induced slowdown. But here's the bottom line. Now, if the S&P 500 is going negative for the year, let me give you one warning. I think we're going to have to slog through a vol- like these volatility sessions for a bit, uh, as there are all sorts of difficult cross-currents here. The trade war with China, the stunning weakness in stocks of, like Bellwether Apple, which got a price target cut from the most influential analyst in the stock, in the stock Katie Huberty, it is now down for the year. And, of course, an Aaron Federal Reserve that's backed itself into a corner when it comes to the next rate hike. Get used to these cross-currents because this is the new normal, at least for now. Let me speak to Martin in, in Washington. Martin. Uh, hi. Uh, I'm a long-time uh, listener, first-time caller. Oh, great, my, Martin. Yeah, my question is, um, I own uh, Duke, D-U-K, right. uh, and Southern Company, S-O. They're regulated utilities, and as you know, the profits and uh, and rates are set by government agencies. Right. Uh, right. And they're per- current right now, S-O is paying 51 and Duke is paying 4.1 dividends. Right. And uh, during the, the crash in 87, uh, they actually went up because it was a guaranteed stream of income. Sure. They've never missed paying a dividend in 50 years. They're up about 15% from when I bought them six months ago at a 52-week low. Right. And I, I'm 70 years old, and I'm looking for guaranteed income. And should I buy more? I sold well, close to my... Well, you know, I think that they're all, they've all moved a lot. And thank you for the kind words. My, my issue with that is, is that, you know, you look at CDs. CDs, which have a lot less uh, risk, obviously, are yielding really, really well. So I actually think that you could move into a three- to five-year CD with new money and keep those stocks and do very well. I recommend that because of your age, because you're up there like me, and we don't need to risk any more money uh, in a crazy market, even though those two you mentioned are very fine stocks. I like AEP, too. I know today was rough, and by no means what a stockholder wants to see is the system broken. We're going to be exploring that all next week. Sadly, I hate to say it, but we're going to have to slog through this volatility because the machines are at work, and it's all crazy and nutty. Oh, man, money tonight. I've got some thoughts about the People's Republic, and I'm not going to be shy about it. We're keeping a lid on it as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to tell you why it may be time to stop betting that this is about trade. Then which cloud kings remain royal right here? I'll tell you the plays that are looking like they have a sunny outlook as the stocks go down. And they are. And in the sea of red, I found a gem that's up nearly 30% just today. Don't miss my exclusive with Domo's Top Brass. And stick with... Kramer! Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. 
It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Let me say this again. The trade war with China is not about trade. Sure, the Chinese government has all kinds of unsavory practices when it comes to trade and a lot of other things, but that's not really the point. The trade war is about who gets to be a global superpower. That's why I think people are looking at this Huawei situation all wrong. When we learned that the CFO of Huawei, the big Chinese telco company, had been arrested in Canada for violating sanctions on Iran, observers immediately concluded that the trade talks had been derailed. No way the Chinese would come to the table. I think they're missing the point. The CFO of one of China's largest companies was effectively acting as an operative for the Chinese government, doing their bidding in ways we don't understand, including trading in sensitive technology with Iran. And apparently the evidence was strong enough to convince the Canadians, the Canadians, or else they would never have arrested her. Remember, they don't typically do our bidding. The problem, for years our policy with China was simple. We admitted them to the World Trade Organization in 2001, with the idea being that the People's Republic would liberalize its markets, opening them up to Western businesses. You know what? There was a hope that free markets would somehow lead to more political freedom. We had a dual mandate then. Make the communists uh, less communists and try to turn a profit while doing it like we do with any other nation. However, that plan has only partially worked. China embraced some capitalism, but they never really went all the way. And they certainly never embraced democracy. The thing is, China remains a communist dictatorship. If American companies want to do business there, they often need to form joint ventures with bogus, I think, Chinese companies who really have a tendency to steal our intellectual property. China is such a huge market that even this ridiculous arrangement is worth it for many businesses. Look, let me be clear. I have no problem with the Belt and Road Initiative, where the Chinese use their wealth to invest in developing countries in order to advance their geopolitical interests. They have every right to invest wherever the heck they want. And the West does the exact same thing with the IMF and the World Bank. But there's no reason for the United States to help fund China's bid for superpower status. Remember uh, Vice President Mike Pence's speech at the Hudson Institute that I always talk about in October, October 4th, where he basically argued that trading with the Chinese may not be in our national interest? Now, look, there was an extreme tone to some of this, but that speech lays out kind of the brief against the Huawei's of, uh, of China. Pence's point, the Chinese Communist Party needs to be held accountable for its actions. We can't keep letting them get away with this stuff. Peter Navarro said the same thing earlier on our network. Honestly, the United States would never tolerate this kind of bad behavior from any other country. Their companies repeatedly violated the Iranian sanctions, for heaven's sake, but we tolerate it from China. Why? Because doing business there is so lucrative, and we like it when our companies do well and their stocks go higher. Now, when you talk to the hardline policymakers around the White House, as I do, they make it clear right up front that fighting back against China is going to hurt the earnings of publicly traded companies. It is. The ones that are there, they will get hurt. I mean, look at Apple. I mean, who knows what's really going on? But Apple stock was just horrendous today. It's now down for the year. Who knows? But I think it's worth the price to contain China's geopolitical ambitions. As an investor, you have to wonder if it will matter to the Federal Reserve that these earnings are at risk. Here's where I side with the Fed. The answer is no. These at-risk companies won't be laying off people here. Their profits aren't even invested here. Of course, if we trigger a slowdown in China that then spreads to the rest of the world, which is what's happening right now, then that hurts us too. And the tariffs do put inflationary pressure on, but it's man-made. But here's the real point. real point is, whenever, wherever you stand, wherever you stand on this issue, it's bigger than corporate earnings. It's bigger than the economy. The trade war with China is about global hegemony. Who gets to rule the world? 
And that's why it's so darn intractable, because these are pretty high stakes. And the tussle is increasing the volatility and the jitters we all feel about the stock market these days. Stay with Kramer. As the market sells off viciously again. Sell, 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 sell. Well, what would be worth maybe picking some up uh, in weakness? There's got to be something, right? Well, how about the stocks that bounce right back after the last big decline? After spending nearly two months getting pull-outs, the Cloud Kings finally made a comeback starting near the end of November. Remember, in September, I warned you to watch out for a sell-off in fast-growing momentum stocks like our seven cloud kings, Adobe, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Red Hat, Splunk, VMware, and Workday. But even I didn't expect such a horrific breakdown. What happened? Well, Fed Chief Jerome Powell made some poorly thought-out rash comments about the need to keep raising interest rates, and suddenly investors were dumping their biggest winners in order to lock in their profits. Who can blame them? We saw what happened today, right? The cloud kings were some of the best performers here to date going to the end of September, so they got crushed. Nearly all of them entered bear market territory, down more than 20%, with the worst, Splunk, one of the best companies, losing more than 35% of its value from peak to trough. The slaughter was so terrible that we started hearing chatter about a slowdown in the cloud, even as there was no evidence for a slowdown at all, aside from the fact that the stocks had been hammered. You know, that's a classic case of circular reasoning. Last week, though, everything changed. Once Jerome Powell indicated that he might not need to keep raising interest rates after the next one, well, that's the so-called one in wait that I've been preaching, uh, the market adopted a much more positive attitude. Until today, of course. But then the Cloud Kings really did, after that Powell walk back, reported a series of blowout earnings with numbers that were spectacular, and the stocks responded accordingly by flying up. Those cloud stocks pulled back hard today, so now it's worth talking about again. But you got to understand, we know that business is just fine because, in fact, maybe better than fine, we've just heard from the companies. I think they're worth buying the weakness. So let's talk about what drove the stunning rebound and why I like the cloud kings on as, as these vicious pullbacks, and I just think that they will come back eventually. First, you need to understand that it's about more than just earnings. ServiceNow, N-O-W, reported a great quarter in late October, and nobody cared. The stock rallied 1.4% the next day before quickly plunging to new lows, along with the rest of the Cloud King compadres. When the Fed changed its tone, they made it possible for these stocks to rally again. It wasn't the companies themselves. So when Salesforce.com reported last Tuesday, the game had already changed. The cloud-based enterprise software kingpin knocked it out of the park, as we know, with billions in sales growth staying at the 25 to 30% range, rather amazing, $21 billion sales company, and earnings up more than 50%. These numbers made it crystal clear that there is no cloud slowdown. That's why the stock surged 10% last Wednesday, and it's been rallying ever since until this latest pullback, which is why I wanted to do this piece. No, the pullback's not done. Yes, we got to start buying on the way down. Then there's Splunk. I mentioned this was the one that was hardest hit, the cloud-based software analytics play. That remains one of my favorite ways to play big data. The story is simple. The company helps its clients interpret machine data and also keep it secure. Businesses produce vast quantities of this stuff, but until Splunk came along, no one really knew what to do with it. Turns out machine data is a treasure trove of information, but you need these guys to make sense of it. Now, Splunk reported last Thursday, and once again, it was just spectacular. The company delivered a monster top and bottom line beat. Revenue up 40% year over year. Not a lot of those that go up 40 Even better, management raised the full-year revenue forecast and gave bullish guidance for the next fiscal year. In March, Splunk was uh, saying it could generate $2 billion in sales next year. Now they're talking about $2.15 billion. 
What's driving the strength? As Wells Fargo points out in a research note, not only is the company seeing continued momentum when it comes to signing up new deals, they may actually be experiencing an acceleration, the opposite of a slowdown that people are chattering about when it comes to large deals. Yet the stock had plunged from 130 in its highs to 83 in its mid-November lows. And on what? See, we now have confirmation that Spunk's business is on fire. The stock took off last Friday. However, it's quickly being given back some of those gains. At 105, I think Spunk is a good bet. Although I'd like it even more at lower levels, which you're probably going to get, as I told you, because this market is very volatile. This is one of the stocks that does get cheaper as it goes down. Next up is VMware. The software virtualization company that's become major cloud infrastructure play. This stock was the first in the group to bottom, hitting its lows in late October, gradually working its way higher from here. When VMware reported last Thursday, we got another strong quarter, fantastic top and bottom line beat, with management raising their full-year earnings guidance while also rolling out a fabulous revenue growth forecast for next year. It was such a spectacular conference call. We've had Sanjay Poonin on the show. You know how smart he is. The story here is simpler than it may be seen. VMware helps companies set up hybrid cloud infrastructure, meaning it lets them use both, say, Amazon Web Services and Google Cloud or Microsoft Azure. Plus, the company has an incredible relationship with Amazon. They make it easier for companies that want want to embrace the cloud to get everything set up for Amazon Web Services. By By the way, remember, AWS is the number one player in this group by far. My view, VMware remains the slowest and steadiest of the cloud kings, least volatile which is why it's stock bottom first. This is, one, this is the one to buy uh, if the others seem maybe a little too volatile for you, especially now that it's pulled back $9 from its all-time high last Friday. I expect it to go down. You buy it slowly on the way down. These are not stocks you make a statement on. Finally, you've got Workday, the cloud king that helps businesses with everything from human capital management to payroll to employee expense management and procurement. They're the sales force of human resources. This is another stock that got clocked over the course of September and October, but then came roaring back to new all-time highs. When Workday served up the latest in a series of fantastic quarters last, last week, Neil Bushry just doing so well, with a huge billing speed, accelerating revenue growth right up the top of the comps, really spectacular, and 31 cents per share of earnings. Wall Street was only looking for 15 cents. The stock exploded higher. Even better, the next quarter looks great, too, which is why the stock surged from 145 to 164 on the news. It was that good. Again, I'd be a buyer into the current weakness. Now, it's not all sunshine and rainbows in the cloud stocks. Coupa Software, the cloud prince that describes itself as the sales force of expense management, has been melting down all week after it reported an imperfect quarter on Monday. I actually we talked to the guy. It was pretty good. I think it's poor timing. The actual quarter was much better than people realize, but that doesn't mean it will still bounce. It may take a little while. Still, Coupa sales are doing just fine. There's no slowdown. On the other hand, Cloudera folded more than 12% yesterday in the wake of another excellent quarter, even as the stock giving back some of this today. I mean, these are the most volatile stocks in the market. I like the Cloud Kings on the way down. Here's the bottom line. The last time we had a huge market-wide sell-off, the Cloud Kings got crushed. But you know what? It turned out to be an amazing buying opportunity because the fundamentals were still going strong. Now that the group's getting hit again, I'm thinking Salesforce, which my charitable trust owns. You can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Splunk, which is in our bullpen. VMware and Workday, four cloud companies that we know, because they just reported, are in great shape. Don't do it all at once. It's too crazy out there, too volatile. But when these stocks get hammered, they do actually become very attractive investments. Let's go to John in California. John! Hey, thanks, Jim, for taking my call. I'm John from Irvine, California. Uh, thanks and appreciation for all your hard work. My oh, company has a subscription business model for music. 
but it has competition from Apple and Tencent. I bought it some time ago, and it's lost some ground, but not much more than the market in general. My company is Spotify. I think Spotify does a great job. It's got really great uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence. It's really, really terrific. But the one thing I will say, just so you know, this is a stock that is very, very volatile, far more than I thought it would be. And uh, that's what's causing a lot of what's, uh, I think, pressuring me, because I actually thought the quarter was fine. Now, we saw this happen before. These sellers are what I regard as being buying opportunities, but only if you buy them like down, 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 down. That's why I'm presenting this tonight. I'm not saying they're going to go right back up. Stick with Salesforce, Splunk, VMware, and Workday. Turn on man money. Not everything got annihilated. Okay, most stocks did, but not Domo. Stock's up more than 30% today. I'm going to sit down with the CEO, find out what that's all about. Then, sometimes you need to go off the tape to get the full picture. Don't miss my exclusive hospitality expert, Danny Meyer, himself. We talk gold belly and much more. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. It's a thank God it's Friday edition, I'll tell you that. Stay with Kramer. On a horrific day for the stock market, let's remember that not everything is getting annihilated. Some stocks actually manage to rally rather like crazy. Take Domo. It's a very small, speculative cloud-based software provider that came public over the summer in one of CNBC's disruptors back in 2017. Their operating system lets a business connect its employees with the real-time data and intelligence that they need to make decisions. Then it gives them the ability to enact these decisions via their smartphones. Think of it like this. Domo's platform allows a CEO to manage their whole enterprise from the phone by digitally connecting all the people, all the data, all the systems in the organization. Now, Domo came public in late June, and after a big first-day spike, its stock went into free fall. The smaller cloud names fell out of favor with Wall Street Fashion Show. But lately, the group's been bouncing, and today, Domo caught fire, defying the gravitational pull of the averages to rally more than 30% single session. Why? Company reported a truly blowout quarter. Bullish guidance, putting any potential worries to bed. There were never were any for me, but this market's tough. Still, this is a very speculative small cap stock, as I said. So let's dig deeper with Josh James. He's the founder and chairman and CEO of Domo to learn more about his company and his prospects. Mr. James, welcome to Man Money. Great. Good to see you, sir. Thank you so much. I just have a seat now. I happen to know Josh from the days when I started the street.com, and he, he uh, built a company called Omniture and sold it for a great price to Adobe. So and this is not your first rodeo. Omniture Cup. I, I haven't uh, seen I one of those in well, years. Well, I haven't because I never forgot how helpful you were. <laughs> and you cared about small cap people, not just big cap people, That's but right. you are having tremendous success here with this new company, including uh, maybe you can tell me what you do for uh, a Target or a Sephora, because that may be the most accessible of the things you've got going. Yeah, actually, Target's are a good one. It's pretty fun talking to them and seeing how this started in one little department, and then it started spreading and spreading and spreading. Next thing you know, then expand. 10,000 people are using the product. Really? And the CEO... They would often, their CXOs will often tell us the CEO is using it every day. So Brian Cornell is actually looking to see how he's doing. I heard it's like a little party trick. He walks into a Target store as a secret shopper, pulls out his phone. He knows exactly what's selling in that store as of that day compared to all the other stores. What's selling well, what's not selling well. And he can walk around and and, uh, see how that's being merchandised. Nobody else has that. That I know of. No one else has that. Now, I know at one point in your conference call, uh, you said, I really like this. I thought it was very good. You said, we're dramatically underpricing uh, the value of the product. And uh, <laughs> Now, why would you do that? Why not charge some price that you can be more be profitable instantly? Well, I think if we were doing a better job, stock would probably be a little bit higher. That's one thing. So we need to work <laughs> on that. But I think, you know, at the beginning, you're just trying to find customers that will use right. the product at scale. Right. And now that we've got those customers, 
we're starting to, we've gone in and really showed them the whole architecture. This, was, this is really seven startups in one. We raised almost a billion dollars. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. And so we are building all I mean, these products. It's a half a billion dollar market because cap, so you could can't, be a bargain. It, it is a bargain. Right. Because you can't do this unless you put all these things together. You can't have the CEO pull his phone out and have real-time data at scale unless you put all these things together. You can't buy this and buy that and try to bailing wire and duct tape this thing together. Well, Josh, you did to you do it, or you just have a, a good team of people like you had at Omniture? Yeah, a great team of people. A lot of the same people from Omniture, actually. Uh, yeah, I'm not actually that all that technical. I just know what it can do. I right. was going to college when the internet was started. So. Okay, but let me ask you. You have a line in your conference call which says, people are trying to differentiate you. I imagine from like a Tableau data or something. And you say, most cases, we're trying to solve something they can't figure out how to solve. Now, that's a pretty bold comment, Josh. What do you mean by that? Can really, yeah. the other day, tap, I hired Tableau data, the smart guys, they can't do what you do? No, I mean, this, this has to do with cloud. So, I mean, you're big on cloud. Right. Yes, I am. This is cloud. When we were doing cloud at Omniture, we were the first ones to do it. That's because absolutely we did true. It in cloud, not, it that is scale. not hyperbole, because that's where I learned the cloud from you. So, same thing. We're, we're talking now, like, I had a customer. I just saw a customer. CIO walks up to me afterwards. Chief Informational. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, top 200 company in the world. And he comes up to me and says, oh, I'm a customer of yours. I'm, oh, great. I got a question for you. We own 90,000 ice cream machines, vending machines. Is there any way you can take the data off those, do some predictive analytics, and tell us how we should, which, which product we should put in your base and which month and what's selling? Oh, that is so valuable. So that once is. they start getting the data, they, their, their mind starts opening up. So it's a platform. Does that mean it could be integrated with a Salesforce.com's platform, or is it your oh, yeah. own? Yeah, we have over 1,000 different connectors, you do. systems that we connect into. Salesforce is one of our top five. Is it? Connected to. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Mark Benioff uh, emails you in the middle of the night saying, listen, I got an idea. Mark says jump. I generally jump. Uh, yeah, we all do. <laughs> just kidding. You have to. I'm a, I'm a TV person. I don't have to do anything. What is Domo Palooza? Domo Palooza, I was, you know, basically trying to entertain myself, right? So uh, you go to all these boring conferences, and you're talking about boring things. And it's like, no, we're going to have a great time. We're going to do some great business. And then we're going to have a little bit of fun, you know, after hours. That's so, a Domo Palooza. That's a Domo Palooza. Okay, the last thing I wanted to ask you, you are Fully funded, as I understand it, so that it's not like, yes, even though it's a small cap stock, you're burning some cash. I don't have to worry for the foreseeable future because you got all the money. That- well, listen, that's the worry. That's the worry I, we hear from what? investors. Exactly. You're going to run that's out of money. I mentioned it. And I'm like, uh, I've done this before. Right. I took the dilution on the IPO. I know. I didn't raise the money to run out of money. So I wanted to really reiterate that and be like, guys, we've got enough. The business is doing well. We're absolutely going to get to cash flow positive without having to raise another dime. Well, I am so glad you came on the show. You've done so many great things. And I really want to congratulate you for Domo. Great quarter. Yes, sir. Okay, that's Josh James. He's Domo's founder, chairman, and CEO. Very accessible story. Just go read the conference call. Look at the data. And I think you'll enjoy it as much as I do. May have money's back here for the break. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! Round, 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 And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skeet that is over the lightning round! Let's go to Matthew in Connecticut. Matthew! Jim, how's it going? I am doing well. How about you? All right. Uh, my question is how you feel about uh, SITE. Site one. No, you don't want to be there because people don't like housing right now, and it's going to be affiliated with the housing group. It just keeps going down. We're going to have to say, we're going to take a big pass. Let's go to Ann in Indiana. Ann. Jim, thanks for taking my call. Not a problem. 
Casella Waste Systems. Buy, sell, or hold. No, if we're going to be in that industry, we're going to be in waste management, WM, which holds up incredibly well. Have you seen that stock? It is just dynamite. Wendy in Florida. Wendy. Hi there, Jim. Just really quickly, I want to tell you, I clutched your show this morning. And Pierre Navarro and you and I totally agree on the Fed. And I was so glad to hear you shout it out to your cohort sitting beside you. Um, I'm calling you about Glasgow Smith Klein. I bought it in 2011 and I paid 46.59. Right. Well, it's a. It- it's down, and we don't care where stock's been. We care where it's going, but it is at 37. It's got a 5% yield. Emma Walmsley is supposed to be doing a good job. I have not seen what I'd like to see from that company. As far as I'm concerned, there are much better drug stocks to than Clack. So thank you for the kind comments about the Federal Reserve, because in the end, the October Fed they know nothing. knew nothing. Steve in Wisconsin. Steve. Well, hello, Mr. Kramer. Uh, uh, first off, I just want to uh, tell you how beneficial it's been watching your uh, uh, show throughout the years. Uh, very, very much appreciated. And as a matter of fact, I tell my friends, uh, I go, there you go. <laughs> I go, just remember, folks, there's always a bull market out there. Some uh, uh, Jim Cramer is always going to find it for us. But anyway, <laughs> uh, stock is ABT. ABT or ADT. ABT, Abbott Labs. Boy, I think that that one is terrific. That's, that's uh, Miles White. He's done a remarkable job. The device business is red hot. They've got a fantastic balance sheet, and it's a big holding of ActionOrgeplus.com club. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. See you, sir. I won. I won. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. that we're means nothing. We're off to the races. Deal, deal, oh, I didn't deal. even see you do I that. It's for you. Deal, deal, oh, deal. I love that. Deal, deal, deal. I pressed the wrong button. Wrap right. it up. No. no, no, I'm not leaving. Oh, come on. I just got started here. Will you give me a break? Long-time viewers know that I'm a big fan of Danny Meyer, the hospitality expert who created the original Shake Shack, along with some classy New York City restaurants like Gramercy Tavern, Union Square Cafe, and the fantastic new Manhattan that my wife and I both adore. Last year, though, he launched a new venture, Enlightened Hospitality Investments, a fund that invests in companies that share his focus on amazing customer experiences. Remember, he created a whole hospitality index for us years ago, handily outperformed the SP 500. In October, we learned that Myers Fund had invested $20 million in a company called Gold Belly. It's a long-distance food delivery that lets you order food from iconic restaurants online, including Jim's Jim Steaks, you know, cheese steaks in Philadelphia. And that's the company that catered my wedding. And yesterday, thanks to Gold Belly, I was able to have a genuine Philly cheesesteak at 7.15 a.m., not the Drew 1 at 10, in the middle of Manhattan. It's a cool concept. Now, I got a chance to check in with Danny Meyer, along with, with Joe Ariel, who is the CEO of Gold Belly, and Mark Levitt, Union Square's Hospitality Group's chief investment officer at another Meyer restaurant I love, Blue Smoke. Take a look. Danny, you've been at the cutting edge of everything involving food and hospitality. Tell me about this venture. Well, Jim, I don't know if you remember or not, but right about the time the Great Recession was starting, you had me on your show. And you said, 
I want you to pick the Danny Meyer Hospitality Index, companies, public companies that were making people feel good. And I came up with this market basket, and then you had me back on six months later, and then two years after that, in that particular index, companies that made their employees feel great, their customers feel great, their, their communities feel great, were the ones that were outperforming the market by a lot. So Mark and I got together, and we said, you know what, that theory really, really works. Why don't we try it in the private sector? And so we have put together a fund we call Enlightened Hospitality Investments, and we're looking for scalable businesses, ideas we wish we'd come up with ourselves, leaders we wish we had hired ourselves, but people who primarily are doing things the exact same way I was trying to pick in the Meyer Hospitality Index. And we've got one right here we're gonna talk about today, Gold Belly, which I think hits a bullseye. I, I think this is so exciting because all of us in the end are maybe from another place, maybe rooting for another team because we're born there, but we can't ever get the smell, the taste of what we love when we were growing up. How did you logistically figure out that this is even possible, Mark? It actually came about because uh, we had heard of uh, Goldbelly had raised money from a lot of really high quality tech investors, and we had heard what they were doing. And I asked Danny about it, and he said, "I happen to have some Ted Drew's ice cream in my freezer that was sent to me by Goldbelly." So that that furthered our interest, and we dug in at that point. And, and what so the Ted, what the Ted Drew's frozen custard did was, being from St. Louis, it's like I thought I had to go back home to get Ted Drew's. And all of a sudden, there it is in my freezer. How'd that happen? Well, Joe, this is what I want to know. I looked at the website, which is just fabulous. And it's inconceivable to me, for, actually for not, a, not really a lot of money, that I can have what I grew up with. Um, what's changed, actually, logistically to make it so that it's fresh, it tastes good, that it's possible? Yeah, so, I mean, that's our mission, to bring people food, love, and memories wherever they are from the places that mean the most to them. Um, we work with every merchant one by one to figure out the best way to ship their items. We taste test everything on the site. Everything is highly curated. It doesn't go on the site unless it gets, gets past my belly. And you are gold belly. Uh, you are what I've been regarding as another company I absolutely love. I'm from Brooklyn is Etsy. I've always felt that the craftsperson was really constrained to the region. You have opened up nationally some fabulous local and regional brands how empowering is that for a person who's really just been able to deal with one little urban area? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So gourmet and specialty food, $140 billion industry. When you think of the players that are online, the Omaha Steaks, 1-800-Flowers, <laughs> big, gigantic companies pushing their own product on you, we're a platform. So our whole mission is to empower the most talented regional food makers that are doing things mom-and-pop style on a local level they could not enter this economy because of shipping costs, because of managing logistics, customer service, and nobody knows how to find customers online. So we've created a marketplace, more than a million customers now, to empower 400 now regional food makers all across the country. Okay, so tell me how it works. Uh, you're all kind of captive St. Louis, all right? You know something in St. Louis. Now, why would I want the thing from St. Louis? I mean, I get you. You're from it. Why would I look and say, oh, St. Louis ribs. I have to have those. Yeah, I, I have a pretty strong point of view on this. I, I think that the more high-tech we've got in our lives, the more high-touch we, we really, really need. And we've made everything so convenient that people now walk around with this remote control to life. They want everything wherever they are, wherever they are. But what's getting lost a lot of the times is the human need for deep-rooted experience that brings back taste memories. So whether or not I grew up in St. Louis, I want to use my home more often 
I want to invite friends over more often, and I want to be able to show them something that maybe they could not have gotten. So we've got this big restaurant delivery economy happening all over the place right now. That is or is not good for restaurants. We'll, we'll learn that right, in a few years right. probably. But what we love about Gold Belly is that this has nothing to do with deciding whether Jim wants to have blue smoke at his home or whether he wants to come to blue smoke. It's Jim lives in San Francisco. He's heard amazing things, or Hawaii, or Wichita. He's heard amazing things about blue smoke. And he says, I want Thanksgiving dinner catered by blue smoke yes. in Manhattan in my home tomorrow and we can actually make that happen. Actually, to, to put some numbers around that, we sold, uh, we, w as part of this investment, we set up a, uh, a Union Square Hospitality pie, Thanksgiving pie special, and we sold close to 1,000 pies in, I think it was 22, uh, 44 states, and sold uh, Blue Smoke Thanksgiving dinners in 22 states, including Hawaii. Okay, and half so of the places and, sold out before right. we could have even sold more. What's really interesting, as someone who's in the restaurant business, is that's just incremental gross profit for a company. Look, you guys have done incredibly well, but there are a lot of people who it's just, they're kind of constrained by the size of the place. Uh, their brand name doesn't necessarily allow them to cash in on I mean, I am sure there are companies who are in your network have seen their business just skyrocket because of you. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have some businesses that more than 50% of their revenue are now in shipping. It's incredible. We have shops where it's a one-lady shop that started in her own kitchen baking whoopie pies that's opening physical stores uh, and it, on Oprah's list. Well, so. you have always felt and loved putting people to work. I mean, the, from the day I met you, you love providing jobs for people. Just talk about what that means, what new jobs are being that are being created. Well, think about it, Jim. No matter where you live in the country, you were doing your business on whatever scale you were doing it. And now all of a sudden, this guy has turned on the spigot and the entire country is now at your disposal. What happens? Well, I've got to buy more flour for my whoopie pie. I've got to put more people to work uh, for that whoopie pie. Will you just go over a couple of the kinds of products I can get on Gold Belly? Because sure. for me, I love sure. traveling, and I'm what they call a gastronaut. I travel to eat. <laughs> you know, you call that a food explorer. <laughs> I don't know how you stay thin. I mean, you're remarkable. I, I, no, I just love finding the local uh, specialties wherever I go because that's how I learn about people and places. And now it's not that I'm going to stop traveling, but I can actually save a couple miles on the airplane <laughs> by going to Gold Belly. What are some of the kinds of yeah. foods? So if you don't live in New York, you want New York bagels, and there is no supplement. You don't live in Philly, but you grew up there. You want a real Philly right. cheesesteak. You, you're Essa Bagel? Essa Bagel, like, we should H&H. I never liked H&H as much as I like Essa, because Essa, to me, is the quintessential bagel. <laughs> yeah, it's a giant, fluffy, really? doughy, beautiful thing. I used to thing. run six miles so I could go to have an Essa Bagel. <laughs> yeah. Well, Essa give me some more. Seven it's miles when you wanted cream cheese. Can't. Okay. Veggie cream, no. Would you put lots on the bagel? Of course. Russ and Daughters and Sables on the Upper East Side, two great ones. Russ and so uh, From New Orleans, the Mufaletta Sandwich. Fantastic. One of My daughter went to Tulane. Absolutely must Yeah, from stop. Central Grocery, the original. Uh, so iconic foods from all across the country, regional specialties from all across the country, unique items. And around this time of year, gifts is a huge thing because, like Danny said, you can spread love from places that mean a lot to you to someone but else. This is the experiential, that's why I mentioned Etsy. No one wants to buy something they can return to the store. It's not creative. You clearly didn't spend any time. I think that if you, if I got 
what you're offering. Everyone would know I spent some time on it, and it would be at home, which is where people really want to be. But I've got to ask you, Danny, going out is also great for the economy. Is this this stay-at-home economy, is it good for things? It, it is what it is, Jim. And what, one of the things we learned way back in the year 2000 when we invested in Open Table, the reservations oh, platform. You spotted that early. And now we're investors in Resi through our fund. Right. Is that you've got to give people what they want. Who was I to say, oh, I yeah. don't want to give up my reservations being really nice to you when you really wanted to make your reservation online? So, of course, restaurants are as crucial or more than ever. Bringing people together face-to-face with people in an environment that's not their home is crucial. But if you want to stay home, I want to feed you there too. Right. And I also want to feed you things that maybe you couldn't have gotten if if you just went to your local supermarket. Well, and Joe, just to wrap it up, they go to goldbelly.com, okay? There's a big menu. If you're trying to order right now for a holiday special, mm-hmm. put your order in now. I want people to know how it works because maybe you don't wake up December 23rd and place the order. Yeah, no, you can order right now. You can predate your orders anytime three months in advance. Um, any food, anywhere, anytime. At the end of the day, our mission is to bring people comfort through food experiences wherever they are. All right. What's the general time it takes to get an order? Oh, uh, most of the stuff is overnight or two-day, uh, but if you want to pre-plan for the holiday, you can do that now. Perfect. Well. Let's leave it at that because I want people to do that. I know I'm going to do it because I'm from Philadelphia. Danny Meyer, Mark Levitt of Union Square Hospitality, and Joe Aria from Gold Belly. Congratulations for everything you're doing. Once again, I salute you for putting more people to work than anybody I know. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. things. Yes, the market is incredibly volatile, and on the bad days, wow, does it feel awful. But second, there will not be a recession. The economy is strong enough to be able to handle this rate hike. It's just that the rate hike is unfortunate, given the fact that the economy is downshifting, mostly because of the comments made by the Fed. It's the Fed, not China, that's the problem. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday. What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.